Welcome to Bad Dogma, where the truth is revealed one podcast at a time. Now here are your hosts, Chris Solak and Mark Rasmussen. And welcome to Bad Dogma. I'm Chris Solak, along with God's tap-dancing chimpanzee, Mark Rasmussen. Nah. I got close to it. I got <laughs> close, close to it at that time. I'll drink. But yeah. uh, we're continuing. We're continuing from, from Monday's show with uh, our, our week-long guest, Mr. Aaron Skelton. Yeah. Yes. My wife has been deprived, aka blessed, yes. without having the presence <laughs> of me around. She's gotten a free. She's gotten a free day just yeah. just to just to, to live her life. Yeah. In and full not have luxury. To deal with this. The, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. the beauty and the terror all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Just just her and God. Tell I, her she's welcome. Yeah, I think the mansion that the Jesus has prepared for her has a casita in the back. She can <laughs> she can run out to you know. <laughs> Where even the Lord's like. It's just me and you away from Aaron. It's, yeah. it's, it's an it's it's her own controlled me space. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's, there you go. I think yeah. People people view heaven in all different kinds of ways. I know a lot of people that see that in in like macrocosm, like everybody's yeah. in their own little bubble. Don't think it's going to yeah. work like that, but you know, it's uh, we'll people see. can people can dream. Right? There might even, I mean, there's a whole eternity to to find out to figure know. it out, right? Yeah, yeah. to create yeah. your little me space. Yeah. So Aaron. Has a incredible story, and we've we've only tapped into to to a very finite part of it. And yeah. with this, you're you're growing up in a in a very conservative home, yeah. Uh, somewhat spiritually energized in the evangelical slash Pentecostal faith, right, right. And yet, your father has told you very explicitly, stay away from all these horrible uh, uh, books. And the uh, drugs. And drugs. Yeah. And and by this, we're talking about uh, literature that has to do with other beliefs or shamanism very specifically, Satanism, uh, all these things. And yet you've tapped into all of this. Uh, you've, you've made contact with uh, metaphysical, supernatural entities, which you, you were saying has... Uh, Created a kind of a negative micro, uh, a negative microcosm in your life that you're yeah. you're kind of hiding from everybody else. You're yeah. 15 years old. Uh, the church that you're in uh, religiously is re- has rejected you. Yeah, yeah. And so here you are. You're 15. Where, 15. Yeah. 15. You, you you said you were starting to double down now. Yeah. On all the negativity. So so kind of take us from there. Well, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll say a side story. So I was 15. It was right after my first suicide attempt. And I actually went to go live with a girlfriend um, and her family for about a year, which is which is really crazy uh, if, if you knew my parents back then. Um, but I think my, my father thought it, it might be best. And so I did that. And uh, so the church rejects me, and this lady takes me in. This lady uh, is the one who gave me my first gifted tarot card deck. Um, when you're, when you get into the, like the tarot card, it's not, you don't go buy your own deck. Somebody's supposed to give you a deck. And that, that's kind of a, a lot of these esoteric and occult traditions okay. is it's passed on. So she gave me my first deck. So I, I wanted to make that because it, it was, it's not a small thing to give somebody a deck because they're also giving it away, you know? So she gave me my first deck and then, yeah, I was just getting more, more and more into Crowley and and deep dark occult stuff not not all of the cult stuff is dark especially on the surface but i i wanted dark i so, wanted more so to speak to that just a little bit because i think people may not understand what you mean by that 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 most i think most people refer to horror movies when they think of right 
the devil or something satanic or or even like uh, you know differing like paranormal TV shows where right. they're in the dark the entire time with infrared goggles and noises behind them and weird crazy things going on. Can yeah. you just speak to what you mean by not so dark aspect of what was going on at that time? Um, well, I think on the surface it probably looked good. Uh, I, I had my meditation area. You know, I had this little area that I meditated in and I would I would sit in silence and I would either do uh, Buddhist Zen meditations or sh shamanistic meditations. And I so but but looking in, it looked like I was this 15 year old that probably had some order and structure. And, and, and those things look really good on the surface. But behind the scenes, I was the mad alchemist who was really going crazy. And when you say mad alchemist, take us deeper on that. Right. Um. Well, I, I definitely, uh, I was diving into drugs more and more. I was getting away from certain drugs, and I, I do classify drugs in different areas as far as there's, there's you know, cannabis. There, there's things that have an inherent medical value, and there's things that we, we would call maybe hard drugs like methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin. Uh, even though they have medical values, they're culturally, these are the hard drugs. Um, I was getting more and more into those and away from the psychedelics like uh, mescaline, LSD, mushrooms, which is what I wanted to get into in the first place. Uh, so I was doing a lot more of those those types of drugs. And uh, those drugs are they're inherently damaging because they they they're, they have an impulse to just keep hitting that button to keep getting a dopamine rush like the rats and those tests we've all heard about. Sure. Um, they make you fiendish. They make you ugly. And uh, they make you very self-destructive. Yeah, very quick. So what does that look like in, in, in this young adolescent that's tapping into all this other yeah. uh, metaphysical stuff on top of it? What, I mean, it, you, it's quite a spiritual cocktail that you're concocting yeah. at this point. Oh, man. I mean, what does that look I'm trying to place myself back to that age, you know? Yeah. Because it's... That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Um, sorry, I don't know what that looks like, Chris. <laughs> Do you remember what it felt like? Um, it felt really scattered and chaotic, really, when I think back to it. I, whether it was uh, reaching for the next head of Coke or cutting myself or um, learning new occult like rituals, it was scattered and I just wanted to grab everything that, that was, that could give me a rush, I, I guess, an immediate fix. Um, I guess that kind of goes back to the real, right? Well, th that kind of triggered a question. Yeah. Was, was your, did you feel your reality was starting to slip because you you didn't feel like you had a good grasp on what was real anymore or is that not what was going on there? Um, I've had that happen a lot. Okay. That's not what was going on in that, in that point in time. Okay. Um, and I don't think, I mean, I was 15, but I wasn't that conscious. If, if I was, I mean, I was just trying to kill myself, obviously, if I was consciously aware of that at that time. Um, so I, I just wanted everything that felt good. And, what, you know, cocaine felt good. Meth felt good. Heroin, you didn't feel anything. So that was amazing. Sure. You know? Uh, wow. So all of this stuff, I mean, obviously... The, the, you're talking about these different practices and meditation and these interactions uh, of different spiritual origins. Obviously, 
unless I'm misunderstanding, and please correct me if I if I am misunderstanding it, but were you looking, were you searching for, you already said that you experienced the real in it. Yeah. So the impulse to do more of it, was it, Was there a sense of control that came with that? Was there a sense of power? What, what oh. was it that you would, you would get from it? So first of all, let me, I felt like, yes, I encountered the real and this was now my reality. This okay. is my new lane. This is where I am. This is who I was created to be. Okay. So I think those distinctions are really important. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, where absolutely. I was. Um, absolutely. I, I basically thought of myself as the not the the not the anti-hero, but almost like the necessary evil. That okay. that was the lane and the identity I started taking wow. on. Yeah. So So how did you see yourself? Do you remember how you said I mean that's that's a lot to be going through huh. at fifteen and sixteen years huh. old. Yeah. How how did you view yourself? A lot of pride. Okay. Very, very prideful. You know, like when I would talk to adults and, and uh and they wouldn't understand me. They'd just dismiss me or these people with these huge degrees. And, and I wanted to be like, I wanted to show off. I wanted to, to be confident, but I wanted people to notice me. So I was, I was definitely very like prideful and like aware that I knew more things than a lot of other people. Um, but I was also horribly insecure at the same time. And uh, I, I was probably a lot quieter than I am now. Um, very reserved, very introverted. Uh, consistently introverted, unless I was on, uh, say, uppers, like stimulants, like meth or coke. Okay. Which would ha- cause an extroversion, and it does in most people. Sure. Mm-hmm. Of course. That's why a lot of people take them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, to, to open up. It's like a better version of themselves in some some regards. Right. People, they need that to right. to, to in- try to impress or uh, interact with people that, that are higher functioning. Absolutely, by, yeah. by nature, yeah. Yeah. And that's... Um, yeah, and that's that's again trying to change an aspect of yourself in front of someone else, right? Yeah. And so, were, were, did you find that that was was there a strategy in this, or was this just kind of floating now? Like, were you just kind of like out there, like doing your thing, just with no plan in mind, or were you intentionally I, I trying I, to do something? I was intentional. I mean, the plan in mind was to be dead by like twenty seven. Wow. Like honest okay, like super honestly, that <laughs> yeah, was the no. plan. Yeah. Okay, so like can, that was the plan. So why 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 die? Yeah. Why wow. die? Um that's so interesting. <laughs> uh to me, I I am immortalized a lot of figures that you shouldn't immortalize and worship, like Jim Morrison from the Doors. Oh it, like that was probably my first messiah was Jim Morrison from the Doors. You Take know. me through to the other side. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but he died at 27. There and there was a whole uh, there's a whole group of people that died at 27. The Were you going to move to Paris? The great right. That's where they found his body. Yeah. Um, but Hendrix, Janis Joplin, all these great tragic poets, and that's what I considered myself to be. And I wanted to set up some sort of legacy. And then when the plug gets pulled at 27, people would be left with what I had. I mean, that was that was the that plan. Was the plan. That was the plan. Wow. Man. So when you say pull the plug, was that was that completely pre-planned or was that just to to, to fade out by yeah, twenty? Yeah, I don't. I sometimes I, I mean I don't know. Could that have just been uh, excess, you know, drugs that eventually killed me? I don't know. But it was whatever was whether that was going to be a shot to my head or drugs or or whatever. Okay. So I want to take this a step further. What? How is your family handling? Everything. Obviously, you're out of your you're out of their parental environment by this time. You're you're living with this with your girlfriend and her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
your family sounds very conservative by what you've described. Of course, I know your parents now. Yeah. They're very different than they were at this time. Yeah. Um, so I don't really have a lot of context for, for who your parents were before, other than the fact that they've, they've stated how conservative they were. Yeah. So how are they perceiving this? I mean, because they're still inside a religious organization, right? knowing that their, their son is living with a girlfriend and outside of the house. And so, so what is, what is the relationship like at this point? The relationship's interesting. Um, I'll say this story and I don't know if my dad even remembers it or is okay with it, but, um, we were, we were pulling out of somewhere and I had, I was fussing about something in the back seat, and this was at 15 and I remember he, he drove erratically, pushed my mom out of the car, you know, put the car in parks, came in the back seat. He was pummeling me, not with fit, like punching me, like, and he was just telling me how I was possessed by demons. So like that's that's how my dad, you know that that happened. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I I was very close to my father growing up. Never never once was pummeled because of the because of the accusation of demonic. Yeah, and possession. I w- I want to make it clear it wasn't a physical pummeling. Um, you know it wasn't like I had I would have bruises. He was psychologically. Like wrestling. He was I was like wrestling. Bruised. Yeah. Wrestling with you. It was it was kind of like that. It was like a psychological. Yeah, it was a sp- it was wrestling though. It was wrestling. But but how crazy did I mean because that's pretty crazy. How how crazy did you think he was in that moment? Well, that's the scariest vision of my father that I have, one of them. So uh but but probably not crazy. I thought he was right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I definitely thought he was right. Wow. It was more of like that's how does he know? I think that was my gut my gut like, you know, something crazy like that. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I just want yeah. to pause yeah. right, right there. Yeah. Like so you, your your reaction to your father at 16, 15 or 16. 15 yeah. or 16. Like wrestling really wrestling into the ground. I know you interpret it as like pummeling but you're really describing it not as like a physical punch. Yeah, he wasn't beating me. Okay. Yeah. So it's just more like restraining you. Yeah. Yeah. But but the way your flesh interpreted, the way your mind in that moment interpreted it was somehow being pummeled. Right, right. Or overwhelmed. Yeah. Would that yeah, maybe yeah. even be a better it terminology? It was definitely very scary for me. You know? I'm pretty sure it was pretty scary for him too. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 But overwhelmed, yeah, absolutely. Overwhelmed. So so did did he ever describe to you what like the manifestation was like? Like what you were no. doing that that forced him to no. the, to do that? No. Was and there provocation I... in that moment? Uh or did he just prov- tackle you? I mean I was like I said I was making a fuss in the back seat. Like I was I was basically acting out, ruining their doing what Aaron does, and he pushed my mom out. <laughs> I mean, ruining their Sunday, Sunday picnic. Uh-huh. Yeah, except Monday through Sunday. Okay, Monday through Sunday. Uh-huh. So, so are you living with them at this time? When that thing happened, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. The, so I, I do know that I was around fourteen or fifteen years old. Okay. Um, and that was very close to the transition to where I was just living with that girl and her mother. And that only lasted for like a year, living with that girl and her mother that's, and family. At 15, 16. That's, 15, that's, yeah. two, I turned 16 under their roof. That's, I mean, that's, that's a wow. long time, technically. I mean, high it school is. relationships don't normally. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that move in together and they don't make it a year. So, yeah. you know, as adults, let alone yeah. as, as 15, 16-year-olds. Yeah. So, okay. So, so the relationship with your, your folks at this point... As you as you move out, you get this separation. What what is the what is the relationship like? Is it is it you goes know, we, forward? We we I like if if I need something, I call them. 
you know, I don't call them to like, so your say parents, hi. Your parents did not like shut you out altogether. No, they, no. They and they were like, you off. they're three miles down the road, you know. Okay. It was, it, I was here, you know, this area. Yeah. And then they were, it was like down the lakes. So it was like three miles away, you know. Okay. And my yeah. dad, I would see him. I had meetings once a week. They were kind of like NA meetings, kind of. And my dad would take me to those. You know, I like he was always wanting to to be a part of everything. He really was wanting to be a part of everything. And, I, and I, he just didn't know like what the fuck to do with me. Sure. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just at his at his end. He was at his end, and his end was horrifying to me. Yeah. Right. Just a, just a lack of tools. Right. Right. Just a lack of tools to to. Uh, deal with whatever you were going through at that yeah. point. And you didn't have the tools either. No. So there's just this sense of confusion. I want to see like a spiral. I'm going to be honest. Like yeah. I just see kind of like a dance. Yeah. You know, and you both want things to somehow be better, but nobody knows how to get there. Yeah. So how does that get better? How did it get better? How, do, how, how did, as, as time went on? Well, I mean, I mean that's, that's like further down the line. That's around. How uh, long did it take, Aaron? To to get good or just start improve like to start improving? No, for for it to be good. I mean, time wise, yeah, really I'll, good. Yeah, I mean, it's really good now. So you're talking about 15, 16 yeah, years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half my life. Yeah, you know. Yeah, right. that's. But it's because I had to get good. You know. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's. I mean, but that's incredible. That really is. I mean, it's. Yep. It, and we're going to obviously continue to to, to delve right. into this, but it just. So here you are. You're you're 16 years old. Yeah. Let's let's take this past. You you eventually move out. Yeah. Right, of this I, yeah. of this of this relationship with this girl uh-huh. and her mother. Do you go back home? I went back home briefly. Okay. Um. Maybe that time it was for like a year, and I got a, I was uh, working at um, Smith's at a grocery store. Sure. And then I was working at PetSmart. I'm trying to piece it together. Um. I was there for a year. I, I did well, and I was I was back on um, psychiatric meds. I wasn't using like hard drugs. I put on a bunch of weight from from all those meds and stuff. But I, I was doing all right. Um, and then I ended up moving in with my cousins, um, which you've met one of them. And uh, uh, yeah, then I was with my cousins for a little while, and then uh, things got really bad. And then I got kind of shipped off to rehab. Okay, know, at like twenty. So at twenty, this is when you went to Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge. So yeah. what was what what was that experience like? At Teen right. Challenge, yeah. yeah, man. So that that was so life changing. And um, on the one hand, I I could write a book of what's wrong with Teen Challenge. I really could. But <laughs> well, nothing, perfect, nothing's perfect, right? right. Nothing's perfect. Nothing but on is. the other hand, I met Jesus there. Okay. You know, I met the Holy Spirit. I met the Comforter there. I met who I started seeing who I was made to be there. So wow. I, I'm like wow. forever in debt to the space that Teen Challenge created to let that happen. So can you, can you remember the headspace right. that you were in when you went into Teen Challenge? Yeah, very, uh, just bad, you know, really bad. Because it was, it was for, for it to get there, it was like the end of the line for everyone. It wasn't sure. just my parents had enough. I, like, I had to have enough of it, you know, right. for that time being. So yeah, it, it was a... It was a rough place. I remember staggering in because my my parents shipped me off to my aunt, and and I remember I think I found a bunch of her Xanax, and I'm so I'm I'm hobbling in a Teen Challenge, just so messed up, you know. And it it was a really tough transition. I I went through withdrawals there, definitely went through withdrawals there, um, 
and they don't they don't use any medical way to you know assist somebody. It's it's the couch and the bucket, you know. Wow. And it's it's the hardcore withdrawals and uh, yeah. The shakes and the pukes. The shakes and the pukes, man. Yeah, and the, and it's the ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, it's very ugly. So yeah. you so you, okay so you're now you're you're now in the in this process of detox. Yeah. You're, you're 20 years old. Uh huh. You're now you're now in a uh, controlled. Yeah, and a different, a totally different controlled spiritual environment, right? Um, with structure, with structure. So, you said before that it's 16, 15, 16, that you were that you were doing these practices that were creating this realization as to who you were in a negative sense, right? Now you're in a completely counter spiritual environment at twenty, rock bottom. Just like we said, the pukes, the poops, yeah, the bucket in the couch. Like my internal and external world is, I'm I'm forced to be in that. Yeah, place. and it, and it's at war with itself. Extremely at war. Yeah. So, okay, take us through that process yeah. and and go there. Yeah, please don't leave anything out unless right. you need to. Well, okay, I mean, yeah, I'll just I'll just say it as I remember it, man. Uh, yeah, I definitely I went through the withdrawals and the detox there, and and. and Teen Challenge is such a religious, and by religious, we were talking about that earlier. I mean, like, formulaic and rules and, and you know, uh, things I would do differently is if they caught you smoking a cigarette, you can't see your wife on the weekend. It's like, come right. on, man. Somebody just quit heroin and, like, you're going to yeah. penalize. Or if they cuss, they have to wear this thing and they're not allowed to audibly talk. Like, they're not allowed to audibly talk. We'd and all they, be in trouble. And the discipline is they no have to write, shit, huh? they have to write <laughs> Psalm, uh, Psalm 119. Where's that? that? The, Bring it on, Marcus. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 19. was, it, for all my Teen Challenge guys, oh, you remember wow. this. It, it was the Everest of disciplines, oh. Psalm 119. And you have to write out, God forbid you do something so bad, you have to write out every word of the Bible. So, you know, like systematically, the, that stuff's wrong pathologically. Right. But that's I, that's such a side note. I wouldn't want to make the, the positive things negative. if you Because obviously Teen Challenge is saying that, that they want people reading their Bible and praying and talking to Jesus, very specifically to Jesus, why would you use that process as a punishment? You know, I'm going to make you talk to the Holy Spirit if you right. swear. Right, <laughs> like, right. Like, and what? Huh? So that, w- that would be a little confusing. Yeah, that's that's confusing. But luckily, I had a, a great guy in there. Well, I got a lot of great guys. But what, the thing was is, is uh, Teen Challenge is a corporate body. It, yeah. it exists under the Assembly of God infrastructure. It does. So it, it's very corporatized, you know. Um, so I was blessed that our I think the guy who was in charge, he was either stealing or something. He got fired. So so I was blessed that during the interim, oh, the Holy Spirit was in charge. That's a mess, isn't it? It's so, so messy. So it was very messy. Yeah. And the Spirit was in charge on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights. And this guy named Dan Clausen, wow. he sat there and he would just play us videos of uh, Heidi Baker. He would play just really out there stuff, you know. And we watched this thing called the Finger of God one night, and uh, yeah. I had I had had a huge uh, inguinal hernia that hadn't been operated on. So we're watching this. It's a Christian movie documentary um, on the Holy Spirit. On the Holy on the Spirit. Spirit. There's yep. a series and, of them, yes. and people are getting healed and stuff. So all these all these men are like, "Hey, Aaron's, you know, he's got like let's." So their faith is getting right. pumped up, right? Right. They start praying for me, and. Um, I go to the bathroom and I come out and this guy says to me, he says, "Did you ever? Because n- nothing happened when they started praying for me. I started like shaking, but nothing happened to the the hernia. 
And this guy looks at me and he says, did you ever write a letter to Satan? He just asked me that. And I was like, yeah. And I like remembered it yeah. vividly and it was signed right. in my blood. And he's like, yeah, we got to get rid of that, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> hey, Bobby. Hey, Bobby, come over here. We got hey, something to do. Hey, we got a letter. We got a letter to Satan over here. We got we to gotta burn up. <laughs> and yeah. I, if I remember, I mean, at least in my memory, he was that casual. You yeah, know? Right, it was right. pretty funny. Like, so so, yeah. so uh, he was like. Our kind of guys. I like to meet these Yeah, guys. I was going to say. <laughs> but he was like, I, I remember he was like, uh, he's like, there's not much we can do. You know, because they were praying over me. And he was like, this one you invited in, man. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. up to you. And this you know? is, I, that's important yeah. real quick i want to yeah I, that's important i want to tell a story yeah uh you know it, it aaron knows i have a lot of experiences with the metaphysical and the supernatural so does mark um it, pretty much that's the way we met marcus yeah yeah is is and so we'll we'll definitely tell that story down the road sometime but <laughs> but there was, yeah, there was later <laughs> i can remember my wife it was it was a weird circumstance i was i was doing some some counseling uh, some metaphysical counseling with 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 a with a guy who wanted to meet at a coffee house. Well, it happened to be my wife and I had we had one car mm-hmm. living here in Las Vegas, and and so I'm going to tell you you want to uh, if if you want to get close to your spouse in the first 36 to 48 months of your relationship, and you just come through this. Aaron, yeah. actually, it's yeah. ironic. We're, we're it's ironic. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but this right but this there. is actually this parallel yeah, is yeah, true because because you're just about to get a second vehicle. Right. I tell you, share a car. Yeah, and you go. Well, how can you do that? Well, no, you simply coordinate your lives with. And some people, that's completely impossible. So, so, but to understand, it is an incredible thing to get on the same page with your spouse in the first year to two uh, of marriage to share a vehicle, and you because you literally have to think of the other person before you think of yourself. Right. And there is no better marriage tool than that. And that just simply that yeah, mechanism right. of one vehicle. We still have one vehicle. Right. And and uh, and we share it openly. And we both work from home. That's why we can do that. But I just uh, real quickly, I just wanted to share that. So here we are. It happened to be she was doing some some work for a gentleman and he wanted to meet in the very same coffee house, which was amazing because the coffee house was 30 minutes away from where we live, which in Vegas is like an eternity. Nobody drives 30 minutes to a coffee yeah. house. And so it happened to be that the same guy that I'm I'm mentoring, it, my wife is now meeting the guy that employs her, and they want to meet roughly within the same hour for time frame. Okay, so to make a long story longer, th- this guy that is employing my wife part-time, turns out he has taken in not a blood relative, but a friend of a friend's daughter, 14-year-old daughter. This guy was inviting all kinds of trouble. Super nice guy. Wanted to wanted the very best for this this kid, but this girl had s- supposedly so many behavioral issues. Her mother couldn't deal with her. She literally is on the street. Somebody took her in, couldn't handle her, kicked her to him, trying to get this girl to Australia is where her father lived. I don't think anything of it, but all of a sudden I get out of my mentoring meeting and I come over and I start talking to this guy and this girl is standing right next to him. And all of a sudden she starts to like, Convert and twitch. Now you gotta understand this. This happens in like split seconds, mm-hmm. and I start to feel like right. my spiritual identity ri- raise up. I almost came up out of my body. I felt I felt like I was eight, ten feet taller. It was the most bizarre experience I've ever had, truthfully, in my physical, natural body because I was working against it somehow. And she's starting to twitch, and nobody's noticing anything. I mean, this stuff is happening in in milliseconds. Just yeah. boom, boom, boom. 
And and I look down and she's she's got high knee socks on. I mean, this girl is probably like five foot two. She's literally 14 years old. She looked like a 14 year old girl, but she's got pentagrams on her socks. And and so I was like, all of a sudden, I mean, and within that that few seconds of interaction, he takes her out to the car and they drive away. I'm going, what the heck just happened? And you 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 had this interaction and, and literally getting some spiritual guidance on whether or not to remove this entity from this girl got, got spiritual guidance literally that said, no, don't mess with it. Yeah. It's invited. And so there's a, there's a real, yeah, this that's is real. When negative, when negativity is real. invited and wanted, right. Uh-huh. Do not separate it. Yeah. Do not separate no. it. Because it actually will gather strength. Yeah, this right. is a supernatural and metaphysical law. Right, and and so for those who who operate in these realms, they understand this. And so you just said something so very specifically important. It wasn't, and I just the reason I wanted to identify it was because the man had very good intentions. Yeah, but he was speaking to a a supernatural and spiritual process in which he himself, based on his obedient level to to uh, who he's responding with the holy spirit could not violate that right right and so and so he he's speaking to uh integrally he's speaking to a lack of manipulation he could not manipulate what was going on there because of the way in which it had come right. and so i want to talk about the separation of that right after we uh, come back from break yeah so you're listening to bad dogma right here on the bad dogma podcast Now back to the Bad Dogma Podcast, your weekly dietary supplement of truth amidst the Twinkies and Ho-Hos of the media world. And welcome back to Bad Dogma. Chris Solak, Mark Rasmussen, and Aaron Skelton, our guest today. Uh, so before we took the break, blood packed with Lucifer. Yeah, yeah just your why normal. Not? Why not? Why not? Why not? You're 20 years old. Right. Yeah. Why not? yeah. So, so tell us again. You're, you're, you're at Teen Challenge in, right. re- in recovery. This guy comes in. He's he's putting on these different evangelists and other things. Their videos, rather out there kinds of stuff. You were saying, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious about something. Go ahead. Yeah. What exactly does it cost to mail something to Satan? Yeah. What is the postage yeah, what's the on postage a letter to hell? On that letter. That's it. I didn't even think. I was like, you know, I see where you're going with this. I'm like, how much does that cost? Quite a bit, actually. Blood. Right. Yeah. 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 So. So first, maybe maybe this is a better question because right. I wasn't willing to set the stage for where you were at. So exactly why did you write this letter? And right. when did you write this so letter? So I I know I wrote it at a, probably around 15. I wrote it okay. somewhere between when I was uh, s- staying at my parents, very close to between when I left my parents and moved into that, that girlfriend's house. Okay. I know that for a fact because one day my mom and dad called me and they were like, we found your letter to Satan. You know, <laughs> That's an awkward moment. Like I, I remember yeah. when my mom found my Green Day CD and was That's like, I came back from offense. summer camp. Yeah. And she was like, what are you listening to this music for? You wrote a letter to Lucifer and signed in it. blood. Yeah, okay. they found it. So. All right. We're, we are not we are not playing this down by any means. No. It's just the casualness in which yes. Aaron, I we just had to relate it to, you know, most other teenagers that it's like a CD or yeah, yeah. Uh, a love letter or playing a record player backwards in my time. Right? Oh yeah, yeah right. listening yeah. to Black Sabbath. Oh yeah, okay. Right. But yeah. this was an actual letter to yeah, and yeah. I I don't remember what I wrote on there. It's probably I best. mean I I remember some of it. Um, 
but yeah, it, it was it was just like, uh, hey, here's my life, you know, wow. really. Like it, it was just. It, I remember I outlined what I wanted sure. from the situation, well, of, course, of course, right? It's bargaining. And then like, uh, you know, signed it in my blood. Wow. So I did that at 15. Do you know where you got the idea for this? Because I just I, I know I got the idea in a in a book by Alistair Crowley. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, plus there's that kind of archaic like uh, as a musician there's that whole like Robert Johnson the the blues at the crossroads he means the you know meets the devil at the crossroads sells the soul to the devil to, yeah. to play guitar yep. and have all the women so it's kind of it's kind of like a mixture of that sure. you know. Um, so yeah, that that's I signed that letter to Satan, um, just casually, and my parents found it just casually, and uh, I kind of really forgot about it because by the time I got to Teen Challenge, I wasn't openly messing with tarot or things like that anymore. I I'd been significantly spooked enough. Right. I wasn't running towards God, but I was like, no, I got to stop touching so you, this stuff. So you have you 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 have hernia. Right, and, and these guys not... want it to be healed. Okay. And they start praying for me, and I start manif- I started manifesting and moving around and shaking, and I got up and went to the bathroom. Um, it was interesting. I saw like when I went to the bathroom, I saw like a demon in my in my mind, like this very demonic kind of little entity. And I came out, and that's when the guy asked me the question: "Have you written a letter to Satan?" And I, you know, I feel you feel the weight of the room drop. You feel two things at once. You feel like the Holy Spirit. Uh, you feel God, the presence of the Creator, but then you also feel this confirmation of, oh, that darkness is really, really, really dark, and it's really, really real, you know? Um, wow. So he said, uh, you know, we can get rid of some of this stuff, but you got to get, you're, you invited this one, and personally, you got to get rid of this one. Um, so I did, you know, I proceeded, I can't even remember. I, I remember that I was in the, the study room of Teen Challenge, and it, it looks like a middle school study room with desks. And I remember, uh, I think somebody was trying to coach me, maybe, and I said, you know, in the name of Jesus, get out or leave. And it took like 15 men, grown men, to hold me down for like 10 minutes after that. Wow. You know, and I was this frail heroin addict with a hernia. And yeah, so that's that's what happened. Yeah, for those of you who can't see uh, Aaron and right. you're not watching it via video, uh, I was much frailer then. You were much frailer then, had had because you also. Uh, well, I will. I'll let you go into that because because you've had some other pre-existing conditions that have affected your muscles and your joints and your bones. Right. Right. Did, were you suffering from any effect of that at this time as well? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. It was really just starting at that time, the, especially the, the autoimmune-type pain. That was just starting around that time. I had already been diagnosed with some spinal stenosis and some other crap that they were giving me opiates for. You know, okay, of course. Um, they were giving me things I wanted. So Sure. So I, didn't, I was like, awesome, I'm diagnosed with this stuff. Cool, I'm just going to keep getting my drugs. That's where, that's where I was at. Makes sense. Yeah. So you were even frailer, right? Like yes, yeah, yeah. You're not a you're not a, you're a tall guy, but you're not like a super bulky dude. Correct. Yeah. What, do, was, you, what do you weigh right now? I'm like one seventy five. So right then you're. I was like buck thirty, buck twenty yeah, maybe. Say. Yeah. Bad. So fif- fifteen guys and a buck thirty with a hernia right. issue. Okay. Right. 
So just to kind of give people a context. Right. Of, if you've never dealt with supernatural, you don't realize how real it is until you confront it, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the, yeah. the, the, the heat signature in the room changes mm-hmm. really, really fast. Yeah. yeah. Like, like you're no longer where you are. You're still physically in that place, but the temperature always shifts. It either yep. gets really cold or it gets really hot. Right. Yeah. My experiences tend to move more towards the heat, heat. but it doesn't mean that... Then when you notice things that are super cold, mm-hmm. they're really noticeable because of the heat that you feel in the right. room. I, so my signature tends to be that of heat yeah, um, in the supernatural. And uh, and so uh, that's tends to be, you know, it's interesting though. you, you notice those environmental shifts and yeah. changes right away. Yeah. Right? yeah. So so 15 guys yeah. are restraining you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. So again, what... what what are you experiencing through that process? Yeah. Yeah, process? Um, you know, during like those 10 minutes where they were holding me down, I, I, I wasn't really there. Okay. Okay. That's what so, most people describe. Yeah, I really wasn't there. Um, I do remember uh, that night somebody came and talked to me and they said, they were basically kind of like, like you know, like embracing me like a brother and saying, hey, this is, these are all good things, but like things are going to change now too. Yeah. And you should be aware of some of these things that might change. You you might even feel a little empty. And I felt very empty wow. for uh like desolate. Um maybe almost vacant. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That's a word we keep getting periodically, you know, is vacant. Yeah. Something yeah. that was full is no longer. But left there. Le- uh, left with myself. Ugh. You know, which so describe that. that. So, so describe that, Aaron, from for for our listeners that may not know, uh, from a metaphysical standpoint. Uh, I'll ex- I'll just explain real quick. Within the Christian belief, there there is this constant discussion, especially in the New Testament, more so than the Old Testament, and it's through the teachings of Jesus that very specifically talks about the self. It actually says you don't have to overcome Satan. It actually says That's in right. Luke nine twenty three that uh, if you're yeah. going to follow Jesus. You must first, first before you do anything, deny the self, no. which is the fallen uh, creation, which is which is denying this existence of being born fallen, being redeemed in the belief and relationship with uh, Jesus yeah. and the Holy Spirit, and then Father, the Creator. So I just want to explain that for for listeners that may not understand that theology or philosophy of thought, and then put it into context right. for. For for those, because because you're speaking very much to feeling empty, but it's uh, you're experiencing this from like a very much of an individualistic standpoint, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And my own subjective experience was I was left with myself. Um, now I wasn't consciously aware that that was like the issue that I was left with myself. That took ten more years probably to realize that wow. that was the prevailing issue of all time. So, my life. so you're here. You are surrounded right. by all of these uh, mm-hmm. Christian people. Yep, and their right. philosophies and their opinions, and everybody's going to want to pour an idea. And I know, I know that environment. Everybody wants to speak into what's going on. It's a very active on. environment. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's very. very yeah, everybody wants to share their two cents. Yeah. So, what did you believe, or what did you come to understand, or what did you come to think that vacancy was? Well, I, I believe that I was cleaned out. You know, I believe that the swamp was drained. That, okay. That the spirit, the, the the bad was gone. The negative left. Correct. The spiritually negative. Even though I felt 
at times uh, myself in a very negative spot, but that's because I was just left alone with myself. But yes, I, I consciously was like, oh, they, they left. The demons have left. That's okay. what I was thinking. So, so you had this awareness that there, and, and we use the term entities, if you use this a lot, you, you're, you have this awareness that there's this thing we call self and then this thing that we call, we've called entities here in this right. conversation. So you recognize the entities are no longer present? Correct. Wow. Man. Correct. Wow. But yet you're still, you're, you're not aware also that self is still present. Correct. I'm wow. not free. Right, because because and, and I want to explain this yeah. because there's yeah. a lot of people wow. in uh, different esoteric beliefs. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's where I was headed too. Yeah, like the new age, like very specifically, mm -hmm. I was, and I hate calling it the new age movie because yeah. it's so broad. It it's is so general. Yeah. It's it's so it's, it's so broad. So, but uh, just yeah. just for the sake of or for the sake of a lack of a better terminology, uh, anything with. And, and just so people understand, if you don't know, understand what the term esoteric means, it means to ascend. Right. Like, so it's it's a very general terminology as right. well, but it is used to kind of group a lot of these different uh, belief systems. Right. And the and the definition of the word also includes very simply from within. From within, and it and it all right. It all revolves around the identity yeah. of deity within the individual. Yes. Correct. So yeah. regardless of so what you use, what you use is practice. Some people use right. Buddhism. Some people use Hinduism. Yep. Some people yep. use a, a hybrid of both. Mm -hmm. uh, Tundalini spirit uh, within Hinduism, which mm -hmm. is a very acra chakra activated manifest outward manifestation. Um, there's just all different kinds of things. So Reiki, right. Reiki healing is part of this. Yeah. And so you, you get into, uh, some of this, but people talk about, and this is something that's very interesting. And I just want to get your, I want to get your take on it. Uh, we, we hear a lot of people talk about the fact that they, that they'll have this, uh, tr almost transcendental ex experience where they see a mirror of themselves, whether it's in dreams, some people yeah. say that they've literally had it uh, in a vision, which was really like a spiritual encounter with the mirror of themselves. Mm. Now, this is what this is what uh, scripture, and this is what you can very uh, quickly take from the, the fact that the Christians believe that it is the encountering of the self itself. It's a mirror. Some people use the term doppelganger. Yes. And they say that if you encounter your doppelganger in the physical, that right. you instantly have to die. Well, it's that's an interesting contradiction in it in itself. Yeah. I've never really heard that proven yeah, from a metaphysical into the natural standpoint. But some people definitely from the occultic side of things believe that if that actually happens, yeah. that the self actually is taking over and the natural the natural identity disappears. So I, just in relation to that, because what you're describing to me is like an instant trigger for all these things that we continue to hear as we talk with people in differing belief systems and, and communities where they talk about this stuff actively and that people are having consistent experiences with this kind right. of manifestation. Yeah. So, I mean, does any of that resonate with what you've experienced? Um, it does. Not uh, Not around that time of my life, though. Okay. Not around that time of my life. But uh, I, I came to understand a lot of that, I'd say, later in my 20s. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we'll get into that in just yeah. a little bit, but right. I just because I man, I was like, boy, is that boy is that familiar with what we continue to hear? Yeah, I see that constantly, and, okay. and in the line of work that that me and my wife do, uh, we you know we, we we run a spa, so we see a lot of that kind of Reiki and New Age healers, and and I'm connected with a lot of like ayahuasca healers and, and things like that. So yeah, there, there's a lot of the. Um, Encountering yourself, even from a secular standpoint, like Young, Carl Jung, Jungian philosophy is the, archi- the archetypes, encountering yep. your archetypes. So, um, but even Jung, there's there's proof that he was heavily involved in the occult and esoteric knowledge as well. So I didn't really answer your question. I just came full back. No, that's back. okay. That's all right. We'll get into it. I just, right. so here we are. You, you've, you've been left now feeling somewhat vacant. That's, yeah. that's what you empty. were just empty. Uh, but in, and here you are in this this Christian rehab facility. Yeah. People start to speak things to you. Was anything helpful? Yeah, there was there okay. was helpful there was helpful things. Um, you know, I, I will say this about the program too. There's something that structure is good, order is good. You know, order like waking up and having a plan for the day, and that's what's good in Teen Challenges. You knew you woke up, you knew what your job was. Um, and before your job, your job's to read the Bible and have time with, with the Lord. So, like, I, I did want to speak to that. Like, that's such a good uh, thing for me that mm-hmm. it, it instilled in me is, is that quiet time and starting your day like that. Um, but what I got most out of it is is from probably just random people that, in my opinion, God sent to interrupt my life um, in profound ways. So, uh, you know, you, you travel and you get to see other churches when you're in Teen Challenge, and, sure. and we would travel to more... Uh, charismatic churches, uh, you know, like a lot more. Um, yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like what does that mean? you know, like the holy rollers, like the speaking okay. in tongues and the people rolling on the floor, the Holy Ghost people, the metaphys- metaphysical manifestation, right, right, of the Holy Spirit. And, and I right. want to make a distinction because uh, to listeners, like a lot of people in their mind, they might have been raised in the church, might not have, but they have this idea of, of televangelists push, pushing on people and and them laying down, falling down and. And although we could have a whole discussion on that, I am talking about something that I inherently believe to be real and authentic um, and not some televised version of that. Right. The, the, right. The, again, I think it's important for us to, just like we were talking about the difference between faith and religion, it's to understand that there is always, for, for the real that exists, there's always someone out there trying to rip it off. Right. right. Somebody trying to manipulate it, to use it, to distort it. There's, there's just, you have to be incredibly discerning with what yeah. you experience, no matter what you experience, and that you, what you're experiencing is, in fact, real. Um, and and the, and the reality to that is you have to watch very carefully what what people are saying. You have to listen very carefully to what people are saying and watch what people are doing. And there, is, yeah. there are people that know exactly what they're doing, and there, there's people that when, when something doesn't look right... There's a reason for it. Now, right. that's tricky, though, if you're not familiar with any of it at all. Because it's all going to... If it's, gonna, if it's, it's new. It's yeah, all exactly. going to look goofy to you if you've never experienced right. it before. Right. But uh, I always tell you, if, if, if somebody is willing to do something for you, if you cut a check, run. Because right. that's, that's... I mean, that's just the first inclination and usually the hucksters out there. Right. They're usually doing it for financial gain in some way, shape, or form. Well, they're showing you they actually have something to sell. Well, that's the agenda, right? right? Like, if you're if you got something to sell, yeah. they're looking for someone who's looking to buy. buy. And right. th- this whole exchange is not... 
doesn't have anything core to do with a faith structure. It may, yeah. it, but religion in itself is okay with transactions. We know mm-hmm. this yeah. by yeah. history. So you actually see that this is more of a religious action, even though it's 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 yep. disguising itself as metaphysical as opposed to something that is uh, faith based and organic, right? Supernaturally, right? And and you were asking like what what things change or what things kind of started shifting around that time maybe yeah. or what changes well, happened one of the things that did shift or change was you and you had mentioned you felt a removal i felt a removal right. but then i started encountering the real yeah now like i encountered the real at 14 and that was it was also real <laughs> but it was a different type of there real there you go it's a different you know? okay so let's explain explain yeah, that explain difference that. at 20 and 14 right so yeah. Were you the difference, or was the experience of what you were encountering different? Go yes. into that. Um, so, I mean, at 14, it had nothing to do with who I was, I don't think, because these things exist whether I was here or not. So, right. So, um, it was real. And, like I, I've said in, in previous discussions, like it was real. It manifested negatively. Um, there was times that it would fill the room with darkness and, and things like that. Well, what I started feeling at 20, was the the antithesis to that, the opposite of that. Um, Full and real, full of life, though. There was no uh, immediate fear. If there was a fear, it was just, oh my gosh, you are real, you're God, thank you so much. You know, it was a reverence. There wasn't, like, there was no fear. Yeah, it was an awe. It was an awe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I started seeing the real, you know. Wow. Yeah, so I started seeing the real again. So it's just a totally different right. uh, perspective on right. it. Like you, you're speaking to fear before that when you encountered real, it was fear based. Mm-hmm. So when now 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 you're encountering something that is real, but it's not fear based. What what do you, what is replacing that fear? Fear, love. Wow. I mean, love was what was replacing it. And don't get there was still people that we were talking earlier about people that make judgments that that was still around. And like you said, it's a highly reactive environment. You don't get much time to yourself, and you don't get much time without somebody inputting right. ideas. Right. But you, you learn to filter them out, right? And, and I had encounters with people who had no judgment, who could know that I had just broken a rule, and they were a leader, and they'd sit down and talk with me about why I broke that rule, not like, hey, you're just bad. You're bad, you know? Right. They were, they, well, they were mentoring you. Exactly. Mentoring yeah. you. They, they, we call that a teachable moment, right? As yep. we grow up and we're being mentored yep. either by a parent or... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a leader in our life, mm-hmm. uh, and a mentor I felt safe. In our life. Yes, but I felt safe. Well, it's for your well-being, right? It's not. It's not because of the rule. It's to understand why the rule is there. Exactly. It's not and behavior modification. No, it's no, re- it's relationship. It's, it's life teaching. Yeah, it's yeah. life lesson in the sense that 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 if you embrace it, you'll understand that there's a benefit to correcting uh, something that is harmful yeah. to you. And 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 it, yeah. And so this is it's wisdom. Yeah. Technically, it's knowledge that converts to wisdom if you use it properly, and and so um, okay. So here we are. We're twenty. Right. We've we've gotten past the the blood pact with uh, and yeah. and written blood letter with Lucifer. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you're twenty. You come out of this program. Yeah, I come out. Um, all cleaned up. All cleaned up. And what do we do with that? Uh, within the. F- <laughs> Sorry, I just yeah. yeah I ahead. just I was just trying to pick. I'm picturing the ride home from Teen Challenge. Um, my aunt, one of my I'm not going to say who. Thank, I love you though. Uh, but she offered me some Xanax, and then she had a bottle of like uh, whiskey, 
And then there were cigarettes. So within, you know, getting out, I was just kind of getting messed up again pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> within, like, give us, give us like a time frame, like, like an hour. seconds. Yeah, okay, well, sixty minutes. Well, this is kind, of, this is kind of an interesting point, and it seems to be something consistent that we hear a lot uh, in conversation. I, I know we have personally. There, there's this, this, this family thing going on, right? There's something about that. I mean, because. You probably had no idea of doing any of that in the car on the way home from Teen Challenge, or right. am I wrong? Um, Were you thinking about Xanax and, and oh no, on I the wasn't way home? thinking about it. Right? No, no. But isn't it interesting? I mean, this is important for at least our listeners to start to understand that there are some things that we encounter that just don't have anything to do with us. Well, it's it's more historical, if you will, or within a familial line. Or yeah, I understand. Right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and I think some people too. I think this is why the environments you put yourself in and the people right. you were mentioning, John C. Maxwell, right. Uh, I think in the last podcast and it's interesting, you know, I, John C. Maxwell has got a lot of super hyper logical things to say, and right. I would totally encourage people to read him, but he, he, there's one very distinct thing that he has said that has always stuck with me. And he said, show me the people that you choose to be around and the books you read, and I will show you where your life will be in five years. And it is speaking to environmental and psychological and, and mental and psychological influence. Right. And so, you know, it's it's fascinating how someone who is very familiar with your situation says, Okay. They had to know your coming demons, coming right? coming your coming out of yeah. rehab. Oh, right. here, I've got booze, I've got pills, I've pills. got pills. Yeah. yeah. Let's just let's just let's just light it up on the ride home. This tells you when people are unwell and how badly they need other people to be unwell With around them. them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. there you go. Yeah, there's, and so this is... It's uh, important to Some people use that. the crab analogy, like one crab tries mm -hmm. to crawl out of the pot, the other crab pulls it back in, right. and right. they'll both die in the pot and starve, starve and, and, and cook themselves by, by in the yep. bucket in the hot sun, right. by, by neither one of them letting them leave. So it is very important, and I, I want to speak to this, Aaron, like based on your life experience, but, but just simply coming to the reality here, folks, that if you know that there are family members that are suspect and your child or your friend is, is in, you yeah. know, is vulnerable. It's simply a vulnerability. Doesn't mean you haven't changed. Doesn't mean you right. haven't experienced something profound, but you, who, where you place yourself and the vulnerability in that time frame, you know, you cannot, hope for the best by putting them around people that right. you already know have similar issues or similar even tendencies. Right. And I could tell you right now, if my father was, and you know, you guys both know my dad, if yeah. he was yep. here right now, he would be telling you, uh, there's a lot of, I, I see those moments cause I'm a father now and I see my dad almost with regret, but it's, he's working through it of the past mistakes and past, like I shouldn't have let him, like, what was I thinking? Right. He's you human. Know? Right. He's right. human. Yeah. But but you're right. Like parents pay attention though. Also, well, yeah, you go into all this trouble to get your kid into the into the right environment, the safe environment to clean up their life, and yet the person you picked for the ride home was presenting these very uh, these these very triggers, yeah. re reintroducing them to the individual literally mm -hmm. minutes and seconds as they leave the facility. Which what does that demonstrate? 
that that your family member is not in agreement with where you were, what you just did, or what your parents had to encouraged right. you to, to be a part of. Exactly. And so yeah. they're actually declaring their own saying, nope, I don't believe in that. This is what I believe in. And last time I checked, you were a believer as well. Right. Let's see where you're at. Yeah. And and so by that, you know, but that vulnerability is it, it, it catching someone in that moment. Yeah. Maybe you had a week, maybe you had 10 days, maybe you had 30 days, your reaction to that car ride might have been different. You know, to catch someone in that stage of vulnerability right. uh, speaks to people in their own predatory sense of belief. Some beliefs are more predatory than others. Yeah. And and so I just I just wanted to take pause for that. No, that to, was a good point to, to break. To, for parents, for yep. family members, for friends. Yeah. You know, that if you know that you are the person that can create that healthy environment for that person. Right. We talked about personal accountability a little bit in the first podcast. You you have to think of your ability yeah. to positively impact the situation. Do that logically. I'm not asking you to, to you know to, to do all these you know to be to be the mechanism for change for a person, right. but to at least be a part of it and to be and to use wisdom in helping that friend, that family member, that child reacclimate properly. Uh, and, and as a parent, you have to be so very careful uh, where and who. And I know I know you're 20 years old. You're an adult, yeah. right? You know, but still at that point, you, once a child of a parent always the child of a parent right. and that never goes away. Right. And so, you know, unless someone is absolutely refusing your help and they're like, no, I'm going with this person. Well, that's their free will. Yeah. But if you're helping make an impact that decision and that process, you know, you have to take these variables into consideration. Well, I think in retrospect, my father would not have chosen my aunt to be the first choice, that person to be the first choice uh, for the ride home. But sure. it, it had to be. So, you know, so here you are. Now you're, now you're 60 minutes, you're high, and you're drunk already. Yeah. So what does the next few weeks yeah. to months look like for you? Um, the next few weeks to months, well, I came back home. I came back to Las Vegas, Nevada. I stayed with my parents for a little bit. And um, the plan was to go to Pennsylvania Okay. Um, to intern as a youth pastor for, uh, for one of my old youth pastors. Okay. Moved to Pennsylvania. Wow. So this is this is a radical shift. You're you're now going from from detox and recovery to ministry to ministry. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And in the car right in between, you're <laughs> you're popping pills and drinking whiskey. Yeah. Amen. That's where we're at. Hallelujah. So 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 you you go to Pennsylvania. I I do. Yeah. I go there for a year or two. Okay. And I intern, and, and I I'm in leadership, and uh, and I'm also at that time my autoimmune disease got diagnosed. So then I was getting more opiates prescribed to me. You know, oh, wow. I I would have a few months where it'd be really good and I'd be clean, and yeah. Um, but then I I, you know, I'd start again. So you there's these seasons of relapse, right? You yeah, just relapse. Right? Yeah. So you're riding the road wow. roller coaster, so right. to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the spiritual condition, spiritual condition, leadership, mentorship during this time, was uh, it a, was it a time of growth? No, I wouldn't say it was a time of growth. Um, that a, I, I don't know if I could have grown. Maybe I could have. Sure. I was interested in it though. I will tell you that I really was interested in growth coming out of that. I know I uh, pop pills and we joke about that, but I was very interested in growth. Um, uh, 
you know, the, the, the church and the leadership I went to, they still had some very religious idioms and, um, it wasn't as intimate as I wanted. Um, I will say that. So the, spiritually, I didn't really know what to do. Okay, so I'm saying. I was going to say, so you went, you went there hoping for spiritual growth, which is what was offered to me, in in the context of whatever was offered, right? right. And and just so I'm clear in what I'm hearing, they were teaching you then how to play the game, um, to put on the religious pretense and kind of play to rather than growing spiritually. They, you you they, were kind of learning how to work within their construct. How do you, yeah, how yeah. Do you look good? Yeah. How, how do you yeah. look right? And, right? and yes, uh, a lot of those pastors definitely, they wanted intimacy, but they didn't know how to find it either. So so I'm being very careful on, on that. Well, of course, and, 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 we're not, and we're not trying to... You're right. This is not the, the point no, of this, this is not is, is not to bash anyone right. in their own journey as but well. But yes, they, they got very good at, at running a show. And you were trained to how to be a part of that mechanism, which that's is that's what ministry performance. Yeah, performance. Were you so, faking anything till you made it? Absolutely, I was faking all the time. Oh, uh, there we go. Oh, that's and beautiful. I, so you were successful. I was successful. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a perfect place to. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. so so yeah. next this next podcast, I tell you guys, <laughs> make sure you listen in because it is it is that's, all about the transformation. And yeah. Aaron actually encountering the real yeah. after all these attempts at uh, encountering the the BS right. and the fake and the and the and the false pretense yeah. of what may or may not be real and and it, you don't right. want to miss it so please tune in for this uh, third and final installment of uh, our interview here with Aaron Skelton. Aaron, thank you again yeah, for being been here, amazing. man. Really amazing. Just bad remember. dogma. <laughs> The truth. The truth is, is out, out there, there, guys. Yeah, come on. We're digging it out. I like that. The One truth dog. is out there. That yeah, that's, be, that's our that tagline. That should be a tagline. Oh, it is. I, it I is a good tagline. Yeah. We're, we're, we're branding. We've got to get we're, you out there in front, Aaron. Our, our merch isn't ready yet, but it will our be. Our producer literally thinks that, that's a good tagline. It's a good tagline, and he just nods a lot. Yeah. You can... Yeah. Hopefully it does It's easy to sell ideas to a guy that always nods up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening, yep. guys. Thanks, guys. This has been the Bad Dogma Podcast. I'm Chris Solak. That's Mark Rasmussen. Okay. We're almost there. We're, we're close. Thanks, Mark Darren Skelton. And, of <laughs> yeah, course, thanks, our Aaron. producer, as always, Schmarcus over there. Thank you, Schmarcus. Join us on Friday for the third installment of the Aaron Skelton interview. Thanks, yes. guys. Thank you for listening to Bad Dogma, the podcast produced by FBM Productions. Special thanks to our production team, Stephen Hudson, Marcus Bickle, and I'm Barry Hasselman. Bad Dogma. Unveiling the truth, one podcast at a time.